Good morning. Again, good morning. Thank you. <laughs> good to see so many people in church today. Um, I don't have any announcements, but my partner in crime here does, so we'll give it over to her. Partner in crime? <laughs> oh, if you only knew what we, we mumble about up here in, in line and the jokes we tell. Okay, uh, just a reminder that the Little White Church is back in the narthex and we are collecting uh, any donations that you might like to make for uh, our, our staff, uh, Pastor Michael, Tammy, Rich, and Teresa, and Katie. Um, and they, the, the uh, gifts will be presented on January 14th. And if you write a check, if you could just indicate that it's for the staff Christmas uh, in the little memo section. Our Christmas Eve service is going to be, next, next Sunday's going to be a real crazy day, huh? We'll be here at, in the morning and then Christmas Eve at night at 7, so we certainly will be busy. Um, there is Kristen Adamski, who's the early kids Sunday school teacher. She's homesick. Um, that's what happens when we go in and volunteer in the schools, and she got hers like I had mine, so she's got the temperature now. And Sarah just left urgent care with an ear infection, so she won't be here. So no Sunday school today. And just um, after, after the service, if we could have, Gilda and I, if we could see Jim Chai, and Dan Schoner, and Chris Losey, and Bob Hall. If you can come and meet us out by uh, like where the coffee pot is. Have they been bad? Don't know. We'll see if there's any coal in the stocking. So, it's really nice. Yeah, we're, it's fine. You're not in trouble yet. <laughs> so, okay, we're good. Yes, Fonda. Okay, and I've got the microphone this week. Um, first of all, I draw your attention to our beautiful altar. It has grown poinsettias, and the nativity scene has arrived, waiting for Jesus to come. If you still would like the opportunity to purchase a poinsettia, there are order blanks out there, so be sure and go ahead and purchase one and um, the flyer announcing who they're in memory of or in honor of will be coming next week. But if you have any questions, you can talk to Teresa or Gilda uh, or myself. Thank you very much. So. Thank you. It's a beautiful sanctuary. I just want to announce that the Pickney Food Bank is no longer able to give us any food. So if you'd be so kind as to remember that, when you have something extra to bring it in for our Bishop Food Bank, we'd very much appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we'll start with the choir's presentations. 
That night, some shepherds were in the fields nearby watching their sheep. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord was shining around them, and they became very frightened. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I am bringing you good news that will be a great joy to all the people. Today your Savior was born in the town of David. He is Christ the Lord. This is how you will know him. You will find a baby wrapped in pieces of cloth and lying in a feeding box. Then a very large group of angels from heaven joined the first angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in heaven, and on earth let there be peace among the people who please God. was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. When Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the baby who was born to be the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Then Herod, the king, had a secret meeting with the wise men and learned from them the exact time they first saw the star. He sent the wise men to Bethlehem, saying, Look carefully for the child. When you find him, come tell me so I can worship him too. After the wise men heard the king, they left. The star that they had seen in the east went before them until it stopped above the place where the child was. When the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. They came to the house where the child was and saw him with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their gifts and gave him treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. <laughs> 
Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. We give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in, in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap the songs of joy. Those who go without weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, 
carrying sheaves with them. This is the word of the Lord. Just as the Israelites petitioned God for deliverance from captivity, refugees and asylum seekers are desperate for deliverance from persecution today. Their tears water the ground as they flee their homes and leave their lives behind. Their prayers rise up to the heavens as they languish for years in refugee camps. Their frustrations silently mount as they face discrimination, and apathy in their new homeland. At such times, God's promises of eventual deliverance, justice, and joy can seem distant. Yet the coming of Christ this Advent season gives us reason to rejoice despite our troubled world. We can rejoice always knowing that salvation will come, that justice will be served, and that those who go out weeping will one day return with songs of joy. The pain of this world too often overwhelms us. Constant tragedies and senseless violence seem to steal our hope. God's promises give us light in the darkness. Tears will turn to songs of joy. Rejoice always. The child of light is coming. abundance of some and the needs of so many stand in marked contrast as we bring now our tithes and offerings may Christ's heart rejoice and the needs of others be tended
Please rise as you are able and join in our doxology on page 95. Gracious God, teach us to give thanks in all circumstances, for you are always with us. Thank you for the privilege of sharing what we have with others, of giving ourselves away in love, and of receiving the gifts that others share with us. With our whole being, spirit, and soul and body, we rejoice in you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning again. Welcome to Stony Creek United Methodist Church. I'm Pastor Michael. I'm happy to see you all here on this third Sunday of Advent. Um, I need to have somebody come up here, and they don't know this is happening, so I'm going to apologize in advance. But Dave Monson, could you please join me up here? You guys know Dave, right? Good. Dave not only serves as our chair for church council um, and one of our leaders for Bible study, but Dave is also um, a certified lay servant in our district in our conference. Um, and he recently uh, completed a course in Living Our United Methodist Beliefs. And so Anne-Marie, who I think you know pretty well, um, sent me some stuff, so if we don't do this, I think she'll hurt me. So this is your certificate of completion. Thank you. But also, she gave me some liturgy that we're going we're gonna to go over. So we gather here today to recognize Dave, who has responded to a call to serve by taking lay servant ministry classes and being a lay servant. Lay servant ministry is open to any member of the United Methodist Church who is ready and desires to serve the church. A lay servant seeks to become well-informed on the scriptures, doctrine, heritage, organization, and life of the United Methodist Church. They receive specific training to develop skills in witnessing to the Christian faith through spoken communication, church and community leadership, and caregiving ministries. In our heritage district, classes are offered in spring and fall. I would like to thank you personally, Dave, on behalf of the congregation and our district and our conference for stepping up and taking these lay servant ministry classes and the commitment that you show to the lay servant ministries. And I've got some questions for you. Do you now, in the presence of these persons, renew your membership vow to be loyal to the United Methodist Church and faithfully participate in its ministries with your prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness? If so, answer, I do. I do. Do you believe you have been called by the Holy Spirit to use your skills to lead in the church and community, to expand caring ministries, and to witness to the Christian faith in worship and other settings in your congregation and other United Methodist churches as authorized? If so, answer, I do. I do. 
Are you willing to continue to study and follow the requirements in the book of discipline to improve your skills and grow in wisdom and ability? If so, answer, I am. I will. That's good, too. Congregation, as the body of Christ, will you, the congregation, support Dave and all other lay servants in our district and our conference in their ministry works? If so, answer, we will. We thank God for you and recognize you as lady involved in lay servant ministries. Go forth to fulfill this ministry. Not, not just yet, hold on. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for Dave and all others who are involved in our lay servant ministries, whom this day we recognize as people involved in the lay servant ministries in the order of your congregation and church. Prepare them in body, mind, and spirit for their tasks. May they increase and bless your church through their ministry. We ask that you would walk with Dave as you always have and continue to walk and guide him where you would have him go and the work you would have him do. And we give you thanks for the blessing of his time in ministry here with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, sir. God It's one of the fun things I get to do. All right. We are, yeah, we're going to move on to the Lord's Prayer. So if you would join me in the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you would rise as you are able for our next hymn, number 234, O Come All Ye Faithful, we're going to do verses 1 through 3.
Now is the time that we bring before God and God's people the things that weigh upon our hearts and our minds as well as those that give us cause for celebration. Do we have any joys or concerns we'd like to lift up this morning? Excuse me. I didn't sit down because it's too hard to get up and down. Um, I'm going for uh, MRI tonight on my back, um, but I took another fall last Monday, so it's been really sore in my knee I've had problems with. But one of my greatest sorrows right now is my sister-in-law, uh, Shirley, passed away this last Wednesday. She had just turned 96 in uh, November, and uh, I thought it was coming for a while. But I want uh, prayers for the family, for Nancy, her daughter, for Jim, her son, and for her grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And uh, thank you for your prayers. I'm going to stand up here today and tell about a joy that Jim and I had this week. Um, Thursday night, we, we, we had to our great-grandson, Christmas concert. And we sit down there and watched, I think there was about 150 kindergartens that sang Christmas carols. And if you've ever been touched, that, that was an awesome experience. It was a joy. Great one. I'm going to be asking for prayers for our dear friend Gina Miller, and prayers for her brother-in-law, Lee Miller. He had open heart surgery Friday night, and he is back in surgery this morning. His vital organs are shutting down, and they may have to amputate his leg. So the family definitely needs prayers. Um, my baby brother, Brian, um, he's more like a son to me than a brother, passed away on Wednesday. Prayers for his kids. Um, I usually have something to say, <laughs> so I will now. Um, next to Annette here happens to be my daughter, Jill, who was a member of this church at one time. And then she decided she wanted to go to Hungary for seven years as a missionary and did that. And now she's been down in Minneapolis for a long time. And for some strange reasons, she says, I want to come back to Michigan. So I know what it is. It's all the grandkids and the other people. <laughs> Not especially me, but I think it has something to do with it. But uh, we're really glad to have her here. She's going to be here for a couple of weeks at Christmas time, and then she'll be coming back theoretically after the first year. I bet part of it's there's less snow over here right now. <laughs> and she probably heard about someone who bakes cookies. Just saying. 
I want to say again how much I appreciate our praise band. That was very good. Um, it is not too late if you have someone special to you that you lost this year and would like to put an ornament on our memorial tree. And there's been an ornament placed there today in memory of Bruce Upston. So take a time and, and look at that. Uh, also, when you come into church, just pause a minute. There are some freebies out there. Uh, there are some calendars if you want to pick one up. There's also the new copy of the January and February upper room. And I will repeat what I said last week. If anyone in our uh, Facebook cyber area would like a copy, let the pastor know or let me know and I'll see that one's mailed to you. Thank you. I just have one short little celebration. I'm using my teacher's voice so you can hear me. <laughs> Leon and I are celebrating our anniversary tomorrow. I'm not going to tell you how long it was. It's a long time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I would just like prayers for uh, Stevie. Uh, her father, her stepfather, I guess, um, was med flighted to U of M on Monday. He's been incoherent um, all week, and yesterday he opened his eyes, knew who she was, and drank some broth. So I guess we're on the road to recovery, but U of M has no idea what's wrong with him. If you would please join me in an, oh, up there, hold on. I'm being bombed. Um, if you would please turn to number 2071 in the faith, we sing the thin black hymnal and join in our invitation to prayer, Jesus' name above all names. join me in an attitude of prayer. Bless you. God who restores, you have done great things for us and we rejoice. So often you have filled us with laughter, even turning tears of sadness into shouts of joy. This morning we are especially thankful for the blessings you have bestowed upon us, including having Jill planning to move closer to home, 
for our opportunity to be witness to the sharing of the gifts of our praise band, to be able to join in the celebration of Leon and Laurel's anniversary tomorrow, and especially for time with our loved ones, including getting to be present for a Christmas concert of a great-grandchild and their classmates. You send prophets who point the way to justice and show the way to you. We thank you for sending good news to us and repairing so much that we have devastated. In this season of light, we lift up in prayer so many who wait in darkness, people oppressed by poverty and discrimination, by political upheaval or dangerous rulers, people imprisoned wrongly and also those imprisoned justly. Right what is wrong among us and in us and restore us to you, to others, and to ourselves. Make the brokenhearted whole again. Comfort those who mourn. Repair our wounded cities. God, we also lift up those in need of healing. We lift up Charlene as she prepares for an MRI. We lift up Lee, who has already undergone surgery and is once again in surgery. We lift up Stevie's stepfather. We lift up all others who are in need of healing this day. We ask that you guide the hands and efforts of all of the healthcare professionals, the doctors and nurses, the surgeons, those who do research, everyone who works so hard to help heal and keep your people healthy. We also lift up those in mourning today. We lift up Shirley and her family. We lift up Brian and his family. God, we know that you have called them home to you, to the places you have prepared for them. But we still are challenged in this moment. The pain is still there. The devastation and brokenness of our hearts. I ask that your comforting Holy Spirit might be upon us, especially those in mourning as they grieve. Help them to always know there is no right way to mourn. We all do it in our own time, in our own ways. And may those around them do what they can to offer them help and support and comfort. In all the jostling and jingling of these days, do not let us lose sight of you or those whom you especially came to serve, people who are in need of healing, people who are overlooked or underserved, the ones who are lost, and the ones we have made to feel little and least. Light of the world, live among us always, full of grace and truth. Amen. And now the con, or, here we go again. If you would please join me aloud in our prayer for illumination. Holy One, giver of life and light, as your word is read and proclaimed, illume our hearts and minds, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, our lives may reflect God's glory. Amen. The first scripture reading for the the today is from Thessalonians, say that again twice, fast. Chapter 5, verse 16 through 24. Rejoice always, pray continually, 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now if you will turn in your hymnal, number 219, What Child Is This? And stand if you're able. seated. Our second scripture reading can be found beginning on page 1157 in the Bibles in the pews. We are again in the book of Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 through 4 and then 8 through 11. I think that's why he wanted to come up here. He knew it was his book. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, 
and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people of the Lord, that, I'm sorry, that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes the seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. If you would please join me once again in an attitude of prayer. Loving God who has prepared a place for each of us when you call us home to you, You never abandon us at any point in our lives. As we move about our days, we come and go from so many different places, hoping to always return to our home safely. But the home you offer to us through the sacrifice and salvation through Jesus Christ goes far beyond our fullest understanding of what home can truly be. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together in this place Be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There is an old adage, one that was adopted, pardon me, from the title of a 1940 Thomas Wolfe novel, and it states, you can never go home again. Now, The saying is, it's meant to infer how nostalgia causes us to view the past in an overly positive light, and how as humans we tend to remember people and places from our upbringing as, or sorry, we think of them and remember them in like static terms. The literal words, you can never go home again, They can sound really kind of sad for some people, depending on how you viewed and experienced home during your life and your upbringing. The intended meaning of the phrase can can also be kind of sad for some people who, who miss some of those experiences that they had in the past or maybe miss some of the people they knew in the past who are now no longer part of their lives. But the intended meaning can also be a call to action, an attempt to inspire us to continue forward in life, in faith, in love, and and really much more. 
This Advent and Christmas season, we've been focusing on these conceptions we have of home, and then also the question of where do we belong? Does anybody know how many songs carry the title, or a slight variation, of Where I Belong? Anybody got a guess? Good, because I have no idea, but it's a lot. I tried, I really did, and Google couldn't tell me for sure. Um, You have the Christian group Building 429, Buster Rhymes, Simple Plan and State Champs featuring We the Kings, Switchfoot, Corey Asbury, and Rodham Sivan, which I probably butchered that. Those are just a few of the musicians and artists who have created and or performed a song with that title, or something very close to it, of where I belong. Some asking a question in their song, some answering the question. And the answers to the questions, what is home and where do we belong, those can vary drastically from person to person based on our life experiences, um, things we've been taught, all those things that kind of shape us into the people we are. Last week, we used some scripture from the book of Isaiah prior to what we read today, and we looked at how even when we are are far from home, when we're somewhere out in the wilderness of the world, whether the physical wilderness or the theoretical wilderness, God never leaves us, and God continues to be with us because God knows our wilderness journey. God has been there. There is nowhere God has not been. So there is nowhere we can go where God will not already be. Now, I want to today take another look at the idea of home, both in the context of the Israelites who were returning from the exile in Babylon, and then also in in more recent context of, say, the last few decades or so. Now, the title of my message this morning is Homecoming, but... I'm not meaning the annual event that many high schools and colleges and universities celebrate every year with their athletic teams. Although the original definition of that in that context does kind of fit this. Um, I want to talk about a more literal homecoming. The events of a group of people coming back home or at least coming back to a place that they thought of as home I think we've all had some kind of of homecoming in in some way or another. Returning from a long trip can be something of a homecoming. I remember when I was younger and we would go on vacation, I was always really excited when we'd get back home. Not that I didn't enjoy the vacation time. I was just really happy to be back in a space where things were familiar, where I knew where everything was, where, where I was safe, where things were, were good. But when, when we have an area, an area that many people have called home for generations, that has suffered severe devastation, that can place 
truly, or can that place, sorry, can that place ever really truly be called home again? What happens to memory when there has been incredible damage, not just to the land, but also to the emotions of the communities that live in that area? Think about all the places that are affected by hurricanes and flooding, tsunamis, earthquakes, and and all the other major natural disasters. Think about New Orleans after Katrina. Looking at some of those pictures, I don't know if, if it was my home, if I would ever be able to think of that space as home again. There are people there, though, that have and have rebuilt and have quite a strong fortitude to be able to do that. The devastation seen there and in so many other places from natural disasters can be very overwhelming. And then what about areas destroyed by war? Think back to World War II when parts of England were bombed on a regular basis and then parts of Germany and other parts of Europe were literally flattened. Homes, businesses, just gone. And yet those places were, be, were able to be called home once again for many people. The sense of recovery becomes not just a single issue, though. It's, it's multifaceted because of the multitude of factors that is involved in recovery. Yeah, we have the things to consider like health and safety and, and returning home. Those are the fairly obvious ones in recovery, but there, there's also some other considerations we might always think about. Considerations like caring for the community and the land, as well as the need for assistance, whether that be physical, emotional, or spiritual, all these things that emerge in the hopes and the process of recovery. In the midst of recovering from such devastating events, or even more subtle changes, over time, our minds can sometimes play tricks on us. For instance, people may be bound to the memories of the past, and you may hear them say things like, do you remember back then, back when when life was good? There may even be a yearning to rely on memories of what a place was like before. There may be a reliance on on memories that unfortunately can become unreliable. Memories can shift and change over time, in turn making a place and a time further idealized and cherished. The reality of a place and time may omit its fullness of both joys and sorrows. And being bound to the past, unfortunately, that can keep us from acknowledging the intensity of the present and prevent us from moving forward to the future. Thankfully, though, God is present in the midst of both joy and sorrow and even in failed memory. God remembers everything, especially in spite of us, a forgetful people. In returning to the places we call home, I think we have to recognize the truths that 
pulled us away from places of, of comfort and belonging. For some people, it may have been to continue education, to search out a career. For some people, it's escaping what might have been a harmful or hurtful situation. There's many reasons that we may pull away from the places that we think of as home. If our memory starts to play tricks on us, we can be deceived into thinking about the quote-unquote good old days, which the problem with doing that is it limits the ability of our imagination to step into an unknown and unexplored future that is filled with potential for new growth. I do want to take a step back for a second here, though, and acknowledge another reality or, or challenge within all of this. Sometimes it can be our minds or our memories playing tricks on us. And we only remember certain things. However, I believe there are also moments when our minds, our subconscious, may cause us to incorrectly remember a situation or a place in order to protect us, to protect us from, again, experiencing trauma. It can be very easy for our minds to block out traumatic and painful events in the attempt to prevent further suffering and stress and pain for us. Regardless, though, we have to be with one another in community to truly bring our realities together and to reform and reshape places anew, to, to truly explore what it means to remember and piece together memories of the places that formed us, the places that shaped us, the places we recognize as home. Every time that Sarah and I and the boys travel back to Illinois to, to visit family and friends, I experience some of this. I'll drive past one of the schools I attended growing up and I'll see how it has changed. Now, the high school I went to was, I thought, a normal-sized high school, although in comparison to some places I've served, it was larger. And now, if you drive past it, it looks like a college campus, which I'm not really jealous of, and I'm very happy for the students and teachers there because you want the best environment for learning. I am a little jealous, though, that the third floor now has air conditioning because it didn't when I was there. Just saying. Um, we'll drive by through the downtown area and go past a restaurant that has changed names and themes and owners so many times over the years that nobody really can remember what it started as in the beginning. My parents still live in the home in which I was raised, the house they bought when they got married. They are still in that same home. And while, as we turn down the street, their house is on, I immediately can identify it. There are even changes there that have come about over time and will sometimes stick out to me. In our reading today from Isaiah, Isaiah is writing of the reality of mourning, 
recalling faint spirit, ashes, and, and the former devastations. There were true times of despair, wondering where God was in the midst of the turmoil and the confusion. The Israelites had been broken down, broken apart by the Babylonians. Families were separated. Buildings were leveled. The temple was destroyed. And many of them questioned, where is our God? The Israelites may have also had their memories play some tricks on them too. Some thinking that God was the cause of all their despair and what was happening to them. And this is a somewhat expected response, in all honesty, even still today. It's not uncommon in the midst of trauma and turmoil for someone to point at God and ask, why, God, are you letting this happen? Why have you not yet intervened and stopped what is going on? But instead of causing their pain, God was with the Israelites in the midst of their suffering. God was with them, lamenting alongside them and journeying with them to the land of exile. God didn't send the Babylonians to do what they did, but God used what the Babylonians did to connect with and strengthen the relationship with his people to rebuild the covenant that they had broken time and time again. Now, as I've said before, we need to be very, 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 very careful about what things we assign to be God's actions or lack of actions out in the world. When we try to place blame on God, we end up, we end up making some very strong statements about our theology and our beliefs that really may not be true. We can end up painting a picture of God through blame that that comes in complete contrast to the picture of God that we claim in faith, a God of love. We cannot paint a picture of a God that is causing turmoil and anxiety because when we do that, all it does is cause further turmoil and anxiety and suffering, especially when we try and reconcile it with this idea of a loving God. It's also important to remember that God was present with the Israelites, not just in their time of suffering, but also in their celebration and their homecoming. God was present in restoring their homeland after the disaster of war with the Babylonians. God wasn't just there for the tears and the sorrow. God was there for the celebration as well. The history of God being with God's people is repeated later on in Scripture in really the most incredible way. God becoming flesh in Jesus Christ and dwelling with us. Christ lived in the fullness of human existence embodying joys and sorrows. Christ was both fully human and fully divine. 
So God experienced the human condition. There are times Jesus got angry. He flipped tables in the temple. There are times Jesus wept. Moments that he was sad, especially when he lost someone he loved. Jesus also experienced the greatest devastation in the crucifixion. And while scripture may not outline it quite this way, I at least like to believe that when Jesus was sitting and the children were coming up to him and his disciples were trying to push them away and he said, let the little children come to me for such as theirs is the kingdom of God, I really believe he said that with a smile on his face. I believe that he knew joy that he saw not only in children but in, in other people as they came to faith, as they celebrated things in their own life. When we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, I think you could argue that God was never more present than in that time. There are moments in our lives that become devastating, that are overwhelming to the point where we may feel there's nothing left, that we want to give up. And as hard as those times are and as lonely as those times may seem, I promise you that God is still with you. Just as in the moments when we celebrate things like anniversaries and birthdays, maybe a promotion at work, spending time with our family and loved ones, whatever it might be, God is just as present with us in our joy. It may be a little simplistic, but I've always held the belief that God wants us to be happy and joyful, acknowledging that oftentimes we are the own cause of our own sorrows and struggles. But I really believe that when we are joyful, when we are celebrating, that brings joy to God as well. Amen. I'd like to invite you to rise as you are able for our closing hymn number 229, Infant Holy, Infant Lowly.
the conclusion of the service, I'd like to ask our worship committee to come up and join me for one second. I need to give you guys something. But now, cherished siblings of our Savior Jesus Christ and beloved children of God, rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Witness to the light of Christ so that all might believe through him. And now may the God of peace call forth your complete dedication. May the light of Christ shine upon you and the Holy Spirit fill you completely now and forevermore. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen.